This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Dean Hennessy. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage moving animals. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Dean Hennessy. Now, my regular co-host, Michael Edgeley, the intrepid traveller that he is, is in the Red Centre on a trip with some Aussie sporting legends, including 50 capped Socceroo Mike Peterson. We're going to chat to both of them in a special edition of Stoppage Time a little bit later on. And our new sound, Willem, is also taking another week's break as his own suburban footy team make a tilt at the finals. So good luck, Willem. It's me and Dino steering the ship with Nigel pressing the buttons, of course. First edition news shortly, then with the Socceroos' journey kicking off in Kuwait this coming week. For the first time in ages, one of Box to Box's favourite correspondents, John Cosmina, Socceroo legend himself, joins us to look at the beginning of what will hopefully be a journey that ends in Qatar in 2020. Then with the FFA Cup specialists, Hume City making another run at the finals. We were with their skipper, Michael Weir, made of Dino, to see how preparations are going for their quarterfinal clash with the Central Coast Mariners at the ABD Stadium in about a fortnight's time. Then with the A-League kicking off itself in just under five weeks' time, Dino and I are going to begin our preview of the upcoming season from the bottom up. In the second hour, as we always do, we'll kick off with second edition news and the latest on Socceroos and Matilda's Central. Then another of our favourites, live from the home of the champions of Europe and the latter leaders of the Premier League, the voice of Anfield himself, our mate George Sefton, to talk about just how beautifully Liverpool have started the season. And it's the international break, of course, in Europe. Of course, Dino and I will look at the Euro qualifiers and then we'll wrap it up, as I said earlier, with a special edition of Stoppage Time with Edge and uh, former soccer Mike Peterson. So we've got a packed show, Dino, tonight. Um, you know, how's the week in football look for you, old Derby County, um, in a little bit of a pickle, I notice. Yeah, not a, not a good little result down at Brentford. So um, tell us a little bit about that before we jump into things. Oh, look, I, I watched part of it and then, you know, we were flicking over onto different uh, channels because of different games. But look, I just think they've just gone on, on one of these spells where, you know, they lost in the uh, Carabao Cup to Forest, obviously 3-0, and um, that was quite significant because it's a local derby. Mm. And then they've gone away again and lost 3-0. So Mel Morris most probably uh, wondering, has he made the right decision? But look, it's early days. Um, and as we know in the championship, you mm. can uh, you can turn it around pretty quick if you go on a good run. So mm-hmm. I think let's let's look at it after the international window and then mm-hmm. see how they go for the next two or three games. All right, good on you, Dana. We'll, uh, we will watch that with interest because we know how uh, closely connected you are with uh, with your old club, mate. So um, hopefully there's not too much drama there. There's been plenty of it in the, uh, the second tier of English football in recent times. Not good times, has it, with Bolton and uh, Berry? Very, very disappointing. All right, well, let's get stuck into the news. The Socceroos, as I mentioned, will commence the road to Qatar on Wednesday morning, Australian time, when they take on Kuwait in the first of their qualifiers. Australia have defeated Kuwait in their last two meetings, and Graham Arnold has selected a youthful squad, rewarding those players frequently at club level. So good to see that the average age is coming right down, Dino, and uh, and preparations for you know the long-term future starting to kick in. Yeah, look, it is. And I think it's becoming a little bit of a trend now. You know, like the French have been bringing in, you know, like the Mbappes at a really young age. England have obviously turned everything around under Gareth Southgate, um, you know, from a European point of view. And, and I think Australia seems, under Arne, to go down the same path. And I think it's quite refreshing. I think we mm. always need those quality players in there that with experience. 
but uh, it's nothing better than seeing some good youth. Excellent. Now, the Matildas have locked in two friendlies against Chile on home soil in November. The first match will be played at the new Parramatta Stadium, Bankwest Stadium, on November 9, with the second to be held at Hindmarsh three days later. The match in Adelaide is interesting, given the South Australian government's reluctance to partake <laughs> in the World Cup bid. So, yeah, just um, is it a, a, a political rapprochement <laughs> there, Dean? I don't know. I think it's a little bit of a slap, isn't it? I mean, it's... We, you know, we had the, I can't remember his name now, but we had the gentleman from, from, I think it was the Adelaide, one of the Adelaide. Uh, oh, Val Miliaccio. Val, mm. that Val was coming on and like, he just couldn't believe it, you know, and he mm. was sitting in the same state going, I'm pretty embarrassed, but yeah, yeah it's a, it's a funny one that, it's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> well, hopefully it turns things around a little bit, mate. It uh, was such a dumb decision in the first place that um, even politicians um, sometimes know when to backtrack. Now, A-League clubs are set to become members of the World League's forum and La Liga officials have already offered a helping hand. The World League's forum represents over 1,100 clubs in 38 countries and will now include Australia and its clubs. Chris Fong and Mike Charlesworth will be Australia's delegates with La Liga officials offering to assist and guide the clubs as the new A-League structure takes shape. That's good news. Now Bolivia and Belgium have withdrawn their 2023 Women's World Cup bids, leaving Australia as one of eight remaining options. With the competition expanded to 32 teams, bidders have until December 13 to officially detail their plans for the tournament. FIFA will commence inspections in January with a decision to be made in May. Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Japan, New Zealand, South Africa and South Korea are the other options. So uh, still plenty of competition there, Dino, but um, it never hurts to see a few of the uh, the competitors uh, step away. Would there be a possibility with New Zealand that mm. possibly that could be split between them and Australia? I haven't heard talk about that, but it makes sense, doesn't it? You know, just, you think, just, um, just on that extra... Because they've got a couple of good stadiums mm, yeah. out there, and, and the Kiwis, are, the Kiwis pound are, for pound, are uh, one of the great, um, you know, local um, sporting, uh, uh, well, football. We know, all know how um, amazing the, uh, the the New Zealanders are at, at sport in general, and uh, but um, yeah, they're they're. Um, their uh, you know, men's and women's football teams are doing pretty well. Now, the A-League will see its first female refereed matches in season 2019-20 with Kate Jasowitz added to the list of senior refs alongside Ben Abraham. Jasowitz is an eight-time W-League ref of the year and refereed two matches at the World Cup in June. FFA chairman Chris Niku praised her as one of the leading referees in the world at any level. That's just uh, great news because, you know, I mean, from a you know an on-the-pitch point of view, um, you know, men and women are unable to compete but uh, from an officialdom point of view uh, we're seeing you know the NRL the AFL um, domestically uh, stepping up to the plate and uh, and and you know giving the the best uh, uh, the opportunity to um, to perform at the highest level so well, especially yeah. like with the super cup that we've just had and, yeah. and obviously there there were women there that and and they did a fabulous job and got commended by both managers Jurgen Klopp and uh, Frankie Lampard yeah and justifiably so now Mel Andriata has left her position as the manager of Brisbane Raw's W League team choosing to remain with the Matildas. Andriata was part of the Matildas coaching staff at the World Cup in France and will now remain with the side permanently. She led the Raw to the 2017-18 Premiership and will be replaced by Jake Goodship. So, um, you know, keeping the uh, the, the, the female uh, presence um, in the coaching structure of the uh, the Matildas um, critical there. I think um, it's important. Yeah, yeah. very well, much. Well, so. it's it's a natural evolution, isn't it, Dino? It that is. we know that um, that the right thing for the Matildas, um, you know, as soon as possible is to have a, a, a woman in charge and uh, and that seems to be a, a step in the right direction. No, I agree. Okay. All right, mate. Well, we're going to um, talk more Socceroos after the break. We've got, finally, it's been ages. We used to get Johnny Cosmina on all the time, didn't we? Did. we? And, uh, like it's been a long time, so uh, stick around because Cosy's coming up after the break on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? 
The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal. Well, welcome back to Box to Box, and um, it's been a long while since we had Cozzy on, but um, it's fantastic. Uh, as the Socceroos begin their World Cup journey towards Qatar 2022 to welcome him back, the great man of Australian football, to the show. Cosy, good to talk to you again. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that uh, introduction. It's very nice. Not at all, mate. And, uh, um, and uh, you know, I guess, um, you know, introspection is uh, the, the name of, um, of the moment, you know, where we... we uh, we all um, embark with, you know, with great hope. Um, we, um, you know, we don't have any exposed form in, in recent times to work through. Um, we know that we should just, um, uh, you know, uh, pretty much um, get through this early stage. But, uh, but you know, Qatar, it's a domestic pretty much home tournament for the likes of Kuwait. So, you know, this, this has got the, the makings of a, of a bit of a banana peel result if we don't take it seriously. Well, I don't think there's any doubt about the boys um, or anyone not taking it seriously. That doesn't come into question, but it is a banana skin. I mean, we beat Q8 with um, Graham Arnold's first game in charge, didn't we, about a year or so back? Yeah. Is that right? And uh, did it comfortably. But this one, obviously, there's a lot more at stake. Um, I don't know much about this squad. It's the beginning of a new era for Australia, I guess. You've gone through, you know, like the last of the... There is no more golden generation left, is there? Timmy Cale yeah. was the last one. He went through the last World Cup. He's not going to feature in this one. Milo Yednak has been a stalwart and a captain for such a long time. He's no longer there either. There's been a lot of wholesale changes. I guess it's only Mark Milligan that's really left. And he wasn't. He was in that first World Cup spot, but he wasn't actually. He never really got on the field. He was just a kid coming through and he's playing in the A League. So um, it is the beginning of a new era. There's a lot of players that you know have probably been good enough to have have played for the Socceroos in like recent times. Um, like Brandon Borello, for example, even when he was playing here at Brisbane Raw, I thought was, was probably worthy of a, of a call-up, but the numbers just didn't allow him to fit in. So um, but it's time for them to shine. Well, you mentioned Brandon Borello, um, Aidan Hristic, um, Milos Deganak, uh, Adam Taggart, of course, um, just carving it up in uh, Korea. Jackson Irvine, you know, just a, a real real week-in, week-out performer at Hull City in the second division of uh, the the English um, football, uh, Harry Suter at Fleetwood Town. So, so these are uh, uh, young men at the, at the prime of their lives in their early to mid-20s uh, who are going to be the backbone of the future, aren't they, Cosy? They are. And if you, I mean, you mentioned those names. You talked about the clubs that they're playing at. I mean, Taggart, I guess, is probably in a probably a, a relatively high-profile club um, compared to the others. You know, talk about Harry Suter at the Fleetwood Town. I mean, we had players playing in the EPL back then. We haven't. Uh, we've only really got Aaron Moy and, and Matty Ryan of that standard. But you know, we had players that were spread right across good clubs. You know, Mark Viduka was at Leeds, and Very you know, cool, had, of course. Yeah, Harry at Liverpool. Was he Liverpool then? Yeah, he was. And you had Vinny Grella and, and Brescia, you know, playing in the, in the Serie A. So we had a fair sprinkling of um, a pretty top-class experience, whereas this is a, it's, it's brand new. And it's, look, good on Arnie for, it had to change. Um, it was always going to change. Um, and someone had to do it. And he's come in and he's, look, he's searched high and low. I mean, finding Harry Suter, for example, you know, he's, he's born over in Britain, but uh, he's got Aussie parentage, so he can get a passport and play for his country, which is great. But, you know, it's good that we actually start digging that deep. Cosy Dino here. Um, welcome back on the show again. Good Thanks, to mate. hear your voice. Um, now, obviously, from the experience, I'm just looking down the list of, let's let's call them the experienced players, Aziz Bayic, uh, Marty Leckie, uh, <coughs> Massimo Melongo, Mark, Mark Millsy, Aaron Moy, 
Ryan E and Trent Sainsbury. They're most probably like, and there's the seven of them. So that's like a possibly a third, let's call it, of the squad. When you were setting up your teams, and you know when you were coaching in, in different uh, capacities, what was your process of when you were like looking to build a squad? Did you want it balanced in like you know, bit of experience, bit of that middle, and then some youth coming in? Yeah, look, I think going back to I guess you know coaching in the NSL, you more or less had two jobs in the NSL, and you more or less inherited a squad. Although at Newcastle it was a, a fresh start, but Newcastle being um, the sort of city that it was, I went for. Um, the local flavour because that was important. Uh, it really suited the parochialism. But um, A League, I sort of looked at age brackets, and um, you need a few in that younger bracket. You needed a few in that early twenties to mid twenties, and then certainly that twenty-five to thirty bracket was um, was where most of your experience comes from. And I think you'll find most of the guys that you just mentioned, apart from um, Mark Milligan, uh, who's what thirty-four now. Yeah. Um, from memory, um, they're all in that that upper bracket, 27 to up to 32 type thing, which is, I guess, important. Matty Ryan's got to be pushing that that bottom end of that bracket now, doesn't he? Yeah, it would sure be. Yeah, definitely. You know, Aaron Moy's 27, 28. Um, played a couple of years now in the in the EPL, so that's important. Um, yeah, and the younger kids coming through, the older guys are going to learn from them. But I mean, most of the blokes you've got over there, Borello's been over there for um, three years now, although he spent a good twelve months in, in rehab. But um, it's great. Obviously, the kid's resilient because he, you know, went through that. He was about to sign a big contract, uh, moving to Freeburg, and got injured. They signed him anyway, which was great from the club's perspective. They always saw enough in him to warrant continuing with the deal and uh, he stuck it out and, and worked at getting his fitness back and is, is playing really well you know Matt Leckie's uh, around that 30 years of age now as well uh, maybe even a bit more but he um, you know he's been in the Bundesliga for quite a while now you try and get find balance um, but you want to find balance in um, in each sort of section of the park as well you need a little of course, bit of yeah. up front you need a bit you need someone in the middle of the park and I, I mean you got Musti Amini or you got Mark Milligan that um, could play as a six, although you got Harry Suter and look, Trent Sainsbury for me is a quality player, but he just hasn't he hasn't had enough game time. You know, he's just signed for a club in Israel, which you know it's probably not the, the mm. best competition in that part of the world. Um, the fact that his father-in-law is the coach might uh, help him a little bit. Look, he's but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there people will always bring that one out, but I mean, for me, Trent Sainsbury was an outstanding player in the A League as a centre back, and I wasn't surprised when he. He did make his first move to Holland, but he got a bad, I think, a knee. He fell on the sprinkler, didn't he, from memory? Yeah, I think yeah. he did, yeah. Um, yeah, and that put him out for quite a while. He's never really sort of gone on with it from there. He's never gained any momentum and, or got any consistency in terms of playing. Um, so, you know, he could end up with Milligan as a, the experienced centre-back now. Uh, you know, although Dagenek's been around for a while. He's, you know, he's been in Saudi Arabia. He's been, you know, back to Red Star twice now and, and doing a great job. He's, he's a good footballer. He's just nice solid so uh, and then you've got Musti Amini who's a bit of a I guess a dark horse um, you know great number six did really really well um, in the games that he has been brought in by Graham Arnold so uh, there is a bit of experience there Amini's been away for what five or six years now as well mm. uh, maybe a bit longer so it um, you've got plenty of you've got plenty of blokes that runs on the board 
couple of box oh, to box on NTS News Talks, <laughs> but we're talking to our very good friend Cosy John Cosmino ahead of the uh, Socceroos' uh, first matchup uh, of the uh, the journey to Qatar. Over to you, Dan. I jumped the gun there, Cosy. <laughs> jumped the gun. Um, just a couple of A League boys. Um, obviously, Craig Goodwin's obviously four appearances, but he's he's in the squad as well. And also, I'm quite pleased about this because I think he's done really well. Andrew Redmayne. Yeah, look, Red has had a horror show when he was at Melbourne Heart, I'll yep. be honest. I think he yeah, did. would be the first to say that. He went to the, the Wanderers and that didn't... He was hot and cold there. Um, but, you know, he had a season with John Crawley and who for me is a, you know... He's the best, the isn't he? Yeah, the best goalkeeper coach in the country. Yeah, without doubt. Without doubt. Um, and now he's working with Arnie, so um, that'll be good for Redmayne. Uh, it, it is. It's, he's, he's a good quality keeper. He's, he's probably been the most consistent in the A League. You know, I mean, once Eugene Galekovic got to the wrong end of his career, um, I mean, Danny Vukovic had had a good good spell in the A League and got himself that earn, that move earned that move overseas. But now it's good to see Redmayne there. But Matty Ryan's always going to be your, your starter, isn't he? Unless there's something drastically wrong injury wise. Of course. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm looking at it from uh, Arnie's point of view. Uh, obviously, this is the the, the major competition now that we're going for a qualification he's going to be wanting it to get off to a flying start how important is it you know for the new manager when it's going into this competitive phase uh, that you get off to a really good start oh you have to it um you might get goals as well um you know it's maybe not a bad thing that you're playing away from home either because if you can get a decent result away from home and and to be honest it's probably easier for the guys they've got a camp in dubai for a week so um, it's easier for everyone to get there than who's actually come out and have a camp in Australia, um, because there's so much to overcome with the jet lag and stuff. But um, so it is important that they get goals. And look, I think they've got goals in them. I mean, Arnie made a big statement when we played South Korea um, in November. Was it last year, October? Um, and then they went to the Asian Cup, and there was a lot of positive talk and not really, um, I guess, enough of an outcome. The, the outcome didn't match the, the chat, um, but there is goals in this team, and you know you take it if he can reproduce anything like the form he's shown in South Korea. He's, uh, for me, he's always been a great talent, uh, but he's never, never really been consistent. He's been in and out of teams, and you know he does really well. Then he's injured and he's out for six or eight weeks, and it seems like he's really got his head in the right space, and he's back in the national team. And I think he's got to, he's got to be a starter. And you've got Lecky, um, that you know doesn't score frequently enough or you know you look at his, his appearances he hasn't got enough goals I think um, but you've got a, an out and out finisher like Taggart now who is a good quality finisher he's a clever finisher um, we can get goals so the more we can get the better and you've got to start on a winning note and get through this first phase and uh, and build it from there because there'll always be the knockers you know after Ange left Arnie was the obvious choice for the job and um, like I said he, he made some statements in the Asian Cup that didn't come to fruition and um, people were pretty quick to stick the boot in. Mm, exactly. Now, Cosy, I'm always interested um, in the opinion of, of someone uh, you know with as uh, storied a career as you in um, the uh, theory that uh, a lot of our young men who who uh, have not perhaps um, made it to the you know the pinnacle of, of international football. Let's just assume that every professional footballer wants to play in the English Premier League or one of the top European leagues and and maybe they make it and their career doesn't fully work out um, as they'd hoped uh, and then they perhaps settle into a, a level that um, that they can enjoy a professional career at in a, in another sort of tier and, and one of those players I'm referring to is, is Brad Smith. So uh, he's a player that, that came through the Liverpool youth system. Um, he was transferred to Bourne 
Bournemouth, and and now he's playing for uh, the uh, the club in um, in Major League Football that um, that uh, Major League Soccer that uh, Dino's old man used to coach, uh, the Seattle Sounders, and uh, he's just had his. Um, uh, his uh, contract uh, or his loan extended, and uh, you know he's only 25. This young fella. So, and in in a lot of the the major football countries, a, a bloke like him would just fall off the radar, and they'd never be picked for international football again. But for Australian players at this level, this is an opportunity for them to to, to be in the shop window again, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, like and like Morris alluded to at the beginning of the conversation, we don't have um, players scattered throughout the EPL like we did or through any of the, the major leagues in Europe. I mean, you've got a, a couple in, in Holland, but we don't have, the, the I guess, the, the, that top level of, um, I guess, um, European experience that we had back then. We don't have that now. And look, for me, Brad Smith, was, I really liked him as a player. I've always liked him as a player. It's just things don't seem to have worked out for him. And I mean, Dino, you know what it's like with professional football, a lot of it, has got to do with being in the right place, place at the right, right time. time. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I've seen blokes that you look at them and go, I can't believe the career they've had. And then you see other players who've got so much talent, they've been banging their head against the wall for years and it just things just haven't fallen into place. There's, there's an element of timing, um, and it could be lucky timing as well with, with professional careers. And um, Brad Smith seems to be one of those blokes. I mean, everywhere he's gone, he seems to have done really well. And then for some reason, he's just dropped off the radar. Mm. Well, hopefully, so it is an opportunity for Australia. You can yeah. still get, the, you know, the fact that we're keeping tabs on all these guys yeah. um, is important. Arnie's always said that he wanted to build a big squad, um, so everyone knows the ropes and everyone's on the same page. So it's um, it's good that you know, whilst he might not be in Europe anymore, the MLS isn't a bad quality competition. I mean, if you look at the USA, they haven't done too badly in World Cups over the years, mm. have they? No, no, they've uh, they've done well, and they're getting players uh, earlier and earlier in their uh, sort of their you know their their um, sort of postseason. I mean, the fact that Wayne Rooney can uh, can play and then go back to uh, to the you know the second tier as he's going to soon, and um, and you know we could just reel off a number of other players um, in a similar situation. That um, yeah, it's it's a high level. Hey, Cosy, thanks so much for joining us no again. Uh, great uh, analysis of uh, the uh, situation as always. We love. Um, when the Socceroos and the Matildas are sort of going through these campaigns and, and hopefully um, this is going to be a, a positive time for, for, uh, for our mob as they, uh, they head to Qatar in, um, in about three years' time. No, the, the game needs as many positives as you can get. Exactly. John Thanks, Thanks Cosie. Well done, mate. Cheers. Yeah, no, cheers, mate. cheers. All right, stick around because uh, the skipper and goalkeeper of Hume City, who just keep on bobbing up in the FFA Cup, they Michael do. They Weir. love an FA Cup, don't they? They do, and uh, you know all about that. So we're going to talk to your mate, Michael Weir, after the break on Box to Box. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box now. They are not known as the giant killers of the FFA Cup for no good reason, as uh, my co-host this evening, Dean Hennessy, knows full well as he strode the uh, the touchline uh, on many, many occasions uh, as TD and occasionally as, uh, as Gaffer himself. But our next guest, Michael Weir, is flying high, the 22-year-old goalkeeper and skipper of uh, Hume City. Welcome to the show, mate. Oh, thanks for having me. I heard that Nick Hegarty um, said some of the players would have quit their jobs if they weren't allowed to take the day off to head over to uh, Adelaide for that uh, recent result against uh, Adelaide Olympic, mate. I think that would have been a fair assessment. Yeah, of course. Everyone was buzzing to go there, so I guess we're all enthusiastic. 
enthusiastic to get there and the result matched our enthusiasm. And to get such a, an outstanding result against, you know, really, really strong competition and then uh, to, uh, you know, to see one, one of your own boys, you know, in Marco Delic get a, um, just a, a absolutely ripping hat-trick, um, uh, you guys must have celebrated long and hard after the game. Oh, of course, yeah. We were celebrating as much as we could. We had OT on the weekend, so... I suppose we're being a bit responsible, but yeah, yeah. Marco, he, what a hat-trick. He, he tells us about it all the time now, so yeah. uh, good on him. Michael, it's Dean here. How are you, pal? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, good, good. So uh, just for, for our listeners, uh, I was the one responsible for signing this young fella. And uh, when I when I say you're a young fella, uh, you were about 18, weren't you, when we first met? Yeah, 18 when I first met you. So um, so I went up to Queensland and uh, we had a little bit of a chat and uh, I was really impressed with him and he's come down f- for me and really settled in really well in Melbourne and is one of the top goalkeepers for me at this level. How have you found uh, this season, uh, Michael? I know obviously an injury now, it's a really vital time, but how's the season been for Hume this this year? Yeah, this year it's been unbelievable. Like uh, The first year I came down, it, it was... Yeah, we we had a lot of high profile players. It was it was good. I thought the second year was a bit different, but this year it's just the team. It, we're all gelling pretty well. We're all I suppose we're all one. There's no real big egos in the team, which, which I suppose is a credit to our success. And yeah, it's it's been going good. And obviously, can you just give us a little bit of an update on your injury, based on uh, you alluded to uh, the Oakley game? That's when it happened. So can you just you know for our listeners tell us what happened? Yeah. Yeah, it's still a bit pretty raw. Um, I suppose today I found out that I needed, I'm going to have to have an operation on it. So I'm, I'm done for the year, which is a bit disappointing. Um, but I guess that's football. So I suppose it's about three months recovery and get back onto it. And uh, your understudy, uh, obviously, was he the same guy that's good, who came on for you in the second half? Yeah, yeah, Kappa. So he's he's been here for that's now a year and a half. So. He's he deserves his shot. He's been training hard for a year and a half, and I guess yeah, now now's his time to step up. Now, just just a quick one on the gaffer. Obviously, um, when I was there, Heggs was playing uh, for me, and obviously coaches before him with Louis Osefsky and, and the other coaches we had in during that period. But he seems to have really settled into management really well this year, and the brand of football and the organisation's been for me superb and. You know, it was actually a great pleasure to actually coach against him when we played in that 2-2 draw. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's always been a quality coach, I suppose. Last year, it was, it was a bit hard for him to play and coach because, obviously, it's hard to do the both. But um, in terms of coaching, he's, he's one of the best I've, I've had. He's always, I suppose, got in-depth um, reviews about players and what they're good at and what, where to go. And in terms of coaching, it's been unbelievable and it's really showed this year. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talksport. We're talking to Hume City skipper and, uh, well, first choice goalkeeper uh, until his injury, Michael Weir, ahead of their uh, quarterfinal against uh, the Central Coast Mariners. Looking ahead, you've had a, a good run against competitive sides and uh, now's about the time, five weeks out from the uh, the start of the A-League where, you know, those uh, those top uh, flight clubs start to to, to be fine-tuning their performances and, um, and you know, it, sometimes it's obviously better to catch them earlier in their preparation. So, um, um, so what is uh, what is the the gaffer uh, uh, talking about at the moment in the way of preparation? Uh, you know, as the as the boys get closer to to that um, quarterfinal in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit of uh, backwards for us because we've went out two weeks without a game before our, our clash, and and they're all playing consistently up until I suppose game day, and it, it's pretty funny. I, I work at a hotel, and all the Central Coast boys are staying at the hotel 
where I work uh, last night. So I was having a chat with them and everything, and yeah, they're excited for it. And well, what are they already doing down here two weeks out from the game? Pre-season matches with our A&E clubs. Mm, mm, okay, so, so it's just a coincidence that they happen to be down here. Yeah, it's a coincidence they're at the same hotel I'm working at. What's well, the name of that hotel, by the way? Uh, it's a Manchester Hotel. Okay, well, we'll get in there and uh, get a nip. <laughs> extra nip it's obviously the place to coach. be, Michael. It's obviously <laughs> the place to be. Uh, difficult question, Yeah. I'll say you, hey, we give you, hey, the big questions come on this show. Yeah, exactly. That's all right. So just just for the listeners as well, just give, give um, you know, because obviously the MPL most probably doesn't get as much, uh, you know, press than it, that I think it should. Just give for the listeners you know, your background. I mean, obviously I know it quite well, but just for them, just tell them well, you know, My favourite piece of his background is when he, uh, on his competitive debut against the Melbourne Knights, yeah. uh, famously uh, raced up and uh, injury time winner as the goalkeeper, yeah. uh, heading it into the back of the onion bag, mate. Yeah, that was yeah. That, was, that was very important. That one. I, I think I'm still celebrating for that goal. So. <laughs> no, but about myself, I guess I, I started playing senior football at Brisbane Strikers. They gave me a shot when I was just turning 17, so they had a lot of trust in me um, going forward there. And I didn't play that many games before. I played um, Melbourne City in the round of 16, and then obviously from there got in contact with with Dino, and Dino's uh, suppose, brought me down, and yeah, kicked off from there. I think also Sean Lane had a lot of influence, certainly to me, oh, to, definitely, to, yeah. to definitely not because he'd worked with you, but also convinced me that you, he thought you could be the real real deal, and I thought that was uh, I thought that was a really good gesture from him because I always thought you know once I'd met you, and then once I started seeing you in training, I thought you know we've got something here, this boy can play, and look, you're still young enough. Now you to come back from your injury. Have you still got ambitions to go in the A League? Uh, I guess, of course, yeah. Like, I suppose as I get older, I'm getting more responsibility with I life outside of football. So the A League is definitely on, on on my mind, and if the opportunity comes, I'll definitely have a look at it and try and take it with both hands. But yeah, I suppose at the moment I'm, I'm loving Hume, and I suppose Hume's the place to be for me. Speaking of taking things with both hands, I mean you you, you do have a, a reputation for for being you know sort of pretty cool under under pressure. Uh, you know that recent um, uh, penalty win against um, against the the Oakley Cannons. Um, that that's always uh, got to be good for the confidence of a, of a you know rel- even though you, you're experienced, relatively young goalkeeper. Oh, definitely. Like uh, against Oakley, I probably beforehand I probably faced maybe. 10, 10 to 15 penalties in my, my career and I suppose I've probably saved out one of them so mm. <laughs> against Oakley I guess uh, I tripled my digits and yeah, I guess it was just luck and I suppose hard work paying off. And that was, of course, the game that um, that got him through to the uh, the national stages of the, of the FFA Cup. So uh, even though you won't be on the pitch with your mates um, for the you know the, the the game against the Central Coast, uh, you've um, you've certainly done your bit. And uh, it's important for injured players, obviously, in these circumstances. Uh, you know there can't be any moping around the uh, the club rooms, can there, mate? You've really got to be uh, up and about and uh, and, uh, and and playing a part to, to to keep the you know the motivation and the um, expectation up. Yeah, definitely. Like at the end of the day, it's not about me in the cup; it's about the team, and we're all working together to make sure the team goes through. It's not about individual performances, so that's that's hundred percent true. So, just to close, uh, Michael. I mean, for me, great, fab- fabulous home and away series. Obviously, you know, we're in the top six. Then you went pretty deep, like obviously losing last week. 
the FFA Cup be great if uh, you know for Hume could actually get through this stage and uh, and get to a semi-final because we've been there before back in 2015 and I think it'd be a great experience for what I think is a really good young side that uh, Heggs and what you're part of I think they've been superb this year. All right, Dino. Well, look, we wish the uh, the club all the best um, for uh, their uh, quarter-final against the the top-flight competition and hopefully uh, we'll uh, we'll get uh, Michael uh, back on again in. in due course and um, and have a, a good yarn to him in, in future. Yeah, that'd be good. I nah, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Right, Cheers, mate. Michael. Good luck, mate. Cheers. See you, mate. All, All right. right, stick around because we're going to uh, flip back to the A-League on Box to Box. It's five weeks away till the big competition starts and uh, we're going to work through a preview of the uh, of the uh, the clubs from the from the bottom up. So who we got first, Dana? Central Coast Mariners followed by Brisbane Raw. All right, stick around. That's coming up next on Box to Box. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Uh, the world's longest off-season is coming to a conclusion. There's uh, still five weeks to go, but uh, at least we can start talking now about the uh, the A League coming up, can't we, Dino? Because uh, it is not that far away. No, not far away at all. Five weeks. It'll come around very, very quickly. Now, this is your last show for a few weeks, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. I'm off to uh, to a wedding in uh, in Crete and then off to England and Poland. So I'm really but you've got to it. make sure that um, on the 19th of September that you spare some time for it with us because uh, um, you will miss our 200th episode. And, I will um, be definitely coming on the show. You must be a part of that milestone, Dino. So uh, so what we uh, we always do is uh, our long-term listeners will know is we uh, we want to have a bit of a look at um, at several of the clubs as we uh, work towards the um, the kickoff of uh, the, the A-League season. And we're going to do that. Before we do, however, I want to talk to you about um, Chemist Warehouse because selected... Big brand vitamins and cosmetics are now half price at the Great Chemist Warehouse. From Swiss, Blackmores, Wagner, Nature's Own Go Healthy, Thompson's Ethical Nutrients and much, much more. And don't forget cosmetics, Nude by Nature, Maybelline, Revlon, L'Oreal, Rimmel and Sally Hansen are all half price too. Hurry, this sale will not last. Never beaten on price. Stop paying too much. The lowest price is always guarantees. It will save you up to 85% on fragrances and 80% on vitamins. Highlights you're saving every time you make a purchase on their receipt. Just check it out for yourself if you haven't been looking lately. Australia's best brands at the best prices. Grab a basket, grab a trolley, see for yourself. Chemist Warehouse, they are the absolute best in the business, aren't they, Dino? They certainly are. Absolutely. So get your fish oil, get your turmeric, get whatever you need to get, get your vitamin B down at Chemist Warehouse where you will not... You won't pay more there. Dino, um, the A-League. So tell us all about um, the two clubs who held up the foot of the ladder um, last season, mate. Well, there was quite a gap if we just refresh our memory for the 18-19 season that uh, uh, the Central Coast Mariners finished on bottom on 13 points. But I will add that there was a little bit of a recovery when Alan Studgic went in. Hmm, um, and then also... Ben, what a season it was, though, wasn't it? Because, yeah. uh, you know, they started off with all the hoopla of Usain Bolt Usain. and uh, international <laughs> publicity yeah. and uh, and 
you know what um i think that was the biggest crowd they had wasn't it were you say yeah it was wasn't it and um and uh you know he he did show that he could um play the game uh albeit against uh um a fairly modest opponent modest but opponent, uh, yeah. he um you know at least he, he got the job done but i think then when he realized that um getting paid a hundred thousand australian dollars a year was um was not going to pay his petrol bill um <laughs> to get down to sydney to uh, uh enjoy the highlights of the emerald city uh, from the central coast that um it all became a little bit no, too real did. for the great man didn't it yeah it did so what we what we've done we're going to look at the central coast mariners obviously finished 10th and then also the brisbane roar so we'll start off with the mariners uh alan stadget's still back in charge and uh i think from his point of view it's always hard when you come in at the tail end of a season mm. but then all of a sudden then you get them for the full pre-season and you make your signings and it's it feels like it's more your team you've yeah. inherited a team you've looked at that team and that's always good for a manager that he gets to see what he sees mm-hmm. has an opinion on it then he can act upon it it's hard when you just come in cold and you know, then you're going back and looking through tapes. He'll have, he had enough there time to be with them to mm. understand who I want to keep, who has to go, and who needs to come in. So he's also got Nick Montgomery, who's obviously a legend of the club. You know, yeah. he's, uh, you know, apart from maybe uh, John Hutchinson, he'd most probably be the most one of the favourite uh, players mm-hmm. from there. And um, and then the backroom staff, they've got the physiotherapist David McGuinness, and they've got the strength and conditioning coach Luca Tonetti. So and Dino. Look, you know, for a club that, that, that did so many great things in the early days, you know, Graham Arnold, um, it, it was, uh, you know, one of um, the, the big names. Oh, it uh, was, yeah, when course, Arnie was there. Laurie McKinna. Laurie uh, as well. Uh, you know, so these these were, um, you know, Milos Degenek, uh, not Milos Degenek, um, uh, Milo Jednak, um, you know, who, who pretty much uh, emerged out of the, the Mariners. Yep. And, uh, and so it's um, it's a club that, that has got a history, but um, but just, just lost its way um, so much. Much and, and uh, an area of Australia where um, there, there, there is a large population, a large sporting population. They they love all their sport, but they don't have a team in any of the top flight competitions other than the Mariners. No. And uh, you know they're a very proud uh, part of Australia. So uh, you know you look at um, the likes of Newcastle and Geelong and uh, and other regional, uh, you know semi regional um, uh, centres in Australia that uh, that have got clubs that have, have performed at the highest level. There just isn't a reason no, that the isn't. Mariners can't be a a top team again of course no I mean and and I think again we'll look at most probably some of the the players that most probably will play in a, or, or hopefully have an effect on it. So uh, Mark Birigetti, obviously goalkeeper. I quite like Mark. He's had a good career in the A-League and I think it's important to, that to him with that is, and making sure that he's keeping it nice and safe at the back. Um, they've got, you know, Jack Clisby. Dylan Fox has signed now from uh, a team that he was he was over in uh, Asia and he's come back. And uh, I do like Daniel De Silva. So I think if we can get them playing and uh, Abraham Majok as well at the forward from last year maybe just maybe and uh, jordan murray that they got from the uh, from the mpl up in um, new south wales maybe they might be able to break into the top six and i think we're, we're going to just have a quick look rob as well at their first five games uh, in round one they're playing against the central coast mariners away um in round two uh, they're playing newcastle jets at home uh, round three, they've got the bye, so they don't play. And then on round four, they play Perth Glory away, which will be a tough encounter. And then finally, they'll play Melbourne City away. So they'll have two real hard games 
at the beginning of November. So mm-hmm. I think what they've got to do is get off to a really good start against Western Sydney Wanderers and also the Newcastle Jets, which is the derby. So again, not going to make the predi- predictions yet. I think we'll we'll see what uh, still comes out because there's still a bit more time with mm-hmm. transfer mm-hmm. opportunities. Yeah. But uh, again, I think um, that's uh, that's basically where Central Coast are as of now. Uh, from the Brisbane Raw, well, obviously we've got Robbie Fowler, and um, obviously that's been a big coup, a uh, big name in uh, in world football, never mind mm. uh, Australian football. And as we've talked about before, Dino, any any good result for or bad result for that matter for Robbie Fowler is uh, is going to get some headlines. I mean, we we saw international headlines uh, for for Usain <laughs> Bolt, obviously yep. with the Mariners, but uh, but he uh, Robbie Fowler, his career is going to be watched closely in the UK, and and what is that mean you know it, i don't think it's the cultural cringe or the sort of the um the the uh the need to be validated other than to say that that we want our competition to be noticed around the world and a bloke like robbie fowler um if he has success here and can uh, can begin a, a managerial career in australia um, and i do respect him doing that come in here mm. you know because it's not one of the biggest leagues in the world and mm. you, if you can cut your teeth at the not the lower level but mm. it's obviously our major but we're talking about the premier league to mm. there uh, I think it's a great place to just, you know, understand how to manage people. He's been managed by some of the best managers mm-hmm. the world's had. Um, but again, can he can he justify and do it? And I've got a good feeling that he most probably will. Well, like anyone in any job, really, isn't it, Dean? Um, a, a large part of success is uh, is motivation, isn't it? It's the ability to, to get out of bed fire up, put the um, the troubles of the world to one side because everybody's got ups and downs in their life no matter what. Um, you've just got to get out there, get on the front foot and do it. And uh, and so um, hopefully he will be able to exude that confidence and uh, and that elite attitude that he has yeah. as a, uh, um, a, a manager. As a well, that's what he is. And yeah. um, and so, uh, you know, to be able to, to, to head to, to Brisbane, which is, uh, you know, a city with an incredible sporting history and culture itself, an amazing stadium. I mean, we have seen... Um, Park, Suncorp Stadium, uh, with big crowds, but yep. geez, it's there's there's few worse stadiums in this country um, with a with a two men and a dog in it. It really does look like a cavern, doesn't it? No, I think it does, and I think also Darren Davis staying as well as the mm. assistant. I think that's a, a big coup. He's a very very good coach. You know Darren really well. Uh, I think looking at their team, obviously Jack Hinger got injured last year with a knee, and mm. he's back. Uh, Stephen Mork, uh, Jamie Young. I always, always like Stephen Mork. I, like I mean Stephen he's got Mork. a bit of yeah, fire in his belly as do I I like that D- uh, Dylan uh, Wesson Hall uh, Roy O'Donovan's always lively Talk about so, fire in your so belly. he's, he's going to give you something uh, to look at as well and and I just think it's um, and even even George Mells are quite like you know mm, so mm. I think they've got a, a sprinkling of of youth and also really good experience but their start again just for for for, for our notice is that they start off at Perth Glory uh, on Sunday the 13th of October. Uh, they have the bye in round two. Then they have and they host Melbourne Victory. Um, and that's going to be a big game and a blockbuster there. And then from there, they go to round four and they play Western Sydney Wonders away. And then in round five, to complete that, they go to Adelaide away. So, again, another couple of away games where they've got to try and maximise some points. So, Mm. 
Have you, have you got any thoughts yourself of where do you think they could finish based on from last season being 10 and 9? Well, Dino, you know me as a tipster. I, I tend to go with my heart and um, and for, with what I want to happen. And uh, I always like to see the underdogs um, emerge and uh, and Come do back. well. Yeah. So I've got to concede that um, that part of my motivation is, is that. So um, so I, I'd, I'd like to see um, Alan Stajic uh, continue to rebuild his, uh, his career at yeah. the Central Coast. Mariners, uh, um, as well as um, you know that um, yeah, you know reputation, which is so hard earned, and to, to prove that um, that he's got the goods, um, you know, similar to what he did at um, at Sydney FC with in the W League um, all those years ago. Um, but I'd love to see Robbie Fowler do well. So you ask me if I got an opinion. I, I I like the the story of both those clubs as um, as we we get it, uh, closer to the A League. So you know, I just really really desperately want the, the competition to be so to what be you're really saying you're going to keep your powder dry not give, give anything away exactly now <laughs> we'll probably will wait to because obviously you know we're coming from the bottom up and you know the bottom really should in some senses include western united because they didn't exist before but yeah. we'll uh, edge and i will continue on with the with the preview and we'll have western united when you get back all right yeah beautiful all right okay so stick around because we've got a huge next hour coming up we've got matildas and Socceroos central we've got george sefton the voice of anfield dino and i'm going to talk europe and we're going to talk to edge and mickey peterson in a special edition of stop each time that is all next on box to box now this is box to box with rob gilbert and dean hennessy oh for Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving animal. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box. It uh, was a ripping first hour of the show, talking to John Cosmina and Michael Weir from Hume City, uh, but uh, equally looking forward to uh, some great stuff coming up in the next hour with uh, the voice of Anfield, George Sefton. Uh, after uh, we get through uh, the Socceroos and Matildas Central, Dean, always good to have a yonder, George. He's just a he's very uh, good, isn't he? Yeah, he's a, he's a a, a a living legend, a, a statue almost of a man. He is, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got most probably best sto- stories to tell more than most. Yeah, well, we'll get through a few of those when we uh, have a yarn to him uh, next up. But first up, it's uh, Socceroos and Matilda Central for the Green and Gold Army. Support the Socceroos in their World Cup qualifier in Taiwan in October. After that, follow the young Matildas in Thailand as they compete in the under... 19's 2019 Asian Cup both packages are available you just got to get onto ggatravel.com.au now um, we referred to this um with John Cosmina earlier, but uh, Trent Sainsbury has signed and made his debut for Israeli Premier League uh, side Maccabi Haifa. Now, Sainsbury has signed a, a two-year deal at the club where Nikita Rukovitsa has played since 2016. Uh, interesting signing there, Dino. I know that um, the Cosy didn't seem to be too enthusiastic no, about that. Night no. tongue-in-cheek said that, uh, you know, his, um, his father-in-law is the, the gaffer. But, um, you know, as much as Israeli uh, football, they always seem to be up and about in the Euro qualifiers. Yeah, you know they're competitive. Yeah, they it's, it's in. I mean, we're not uh, um, saying it's a. Uh, you know, it's it's not a, a decent league. 
league. But um, but you just think that Trent Sainsbury has got a, uh, a a bit more uh, at the higher level in him. Yeah, look, I agree with that. I mean, uh, I rate Trent uh, very, you know, and every time for me when I've watched him play, especially for Australia, I think he's been great. But the the other boy, yeah, Nikita, I know really well. I worked mm. with him at Perth Laurie, and uh, I, I he was only a young lad then, and I think once he got his head straight on what he could and couldn't do because he had unbelievable blistering pace. Yeah, uh, I've always talked about uh, that. But he's, he's a, a good kid, and uh, and I think he listened, and uh, he's, uh, he's you know obviously been there for a while, so they must love him there. Help his mate. Now, Miller Stegenex Red Star Belgrade extended their bright start to the campaign, winning their fifth match in a row in the same week. Degenex signed a four-year deal with the club. We know how much he loves that Red Star, so um, so that next four years will be one we watch closely. And Brandon Barella made his third consecutive start for Freiburg in the Bundesliga, but their great start to the season came to a halt, going down two under Cologne. Uh, Brandon Barella will be really interesting to see him in the uh, the green and gold yeah, coming look, up. Looking forward to that. And Matt Leckie came off the bench for Hertha Berlin, but could do nothing. Thing as they went down 3-0 to Schalke. In England, Jackson Irvine and Maslowongo had to settle for one-all draws with Hull and Sheffield Wednesday, respectively, while Adam Federici played for Stoke City as they went down 2-1 to Birmingham. And finally, questions were raised when soccer skipper Mark Milligan signed with League One outfit Southend United. Things have not gone overly well for the Shrimps, having lost their last six matches to sit 22nd in the division. So, yeah. No, not a, not a good start. No, uh, so anyway, well, he'll be happy with uh, the uh, the national camp for the time being. Yeah, that would be a good little exit. <laughs> now, there was no National Women's Soccer League in America, but we should touch on, I should say in the past week, Emily Gilnick, who last week signed with Bayern Munich. Gilnick admitted it was a tough decision to leave the comfort of the W League, New South Wales, uh, or National Women's uh, uh, lifestyle, National Women's Soccer League of course in the United States but stated she's been blown away by the club and its facilities. Gilnick is completing a training block to get her up to speed at her new club and will be available for selection in a few weeks. So, uh, Can I challenge that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Why would it be a tough decision? I, I, I was, Even as I was reading it I was <laughs> um, I was wondering why that um, going to Europe um, when the, uh, the, the European leagues and Bayern being such a huge club but I, I guess the thing is that in the National Women's Soccer League that she's come from and uh, and and the w league she's uh you know she's uh really built a strong career so it really i think we consider it the the you know, next step up don't we do oh without doubt i mean if you only had to look at the european teams in the world cup i mean they dominated apart from america not mm. as you know and obviously australia you know didn't go quite as far as we wanted them to but they dominated the europeans mm, exactly Manchester City's Premier League title defence has taken a huge blow with Emmerich Laporte ruled out until the new year with a knee injury. Laporte, yeah, it was bad, that. Exactly. He's undergone surgery on his right knee after suffering cartilage and meniscus damage in their 4-0 win over Brighton. Mm-hmm. City may find it tough to replace him given John Stones is also on the sideline and long-term skipper Vincent Company has left the club. Well, I think to... Vincent's got a few problems of his own. Well, he, um, <laughs> I think he stepped down from the, the gaffer has. role and they. Uh, I, I heard a story during the week that um, at Anderlecht he went into the bar after after they won that game and shouted the bar. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Now, this is a story I'm interested in, Dino. Michael Owen, right? Have you, have you oh, yes, one? I'm all over this. So he's made I'm himself all over this. particularly unpopular in England with the launch of his autobiography, 
reboot. Now, I've heard that Newcastle news agents are refusing to stock it. <laughs> they are. Now, the book has been serialised in the Daily Mirror, criticising David Beckham, Alan Shearer, describing Newcastle, uh, the joining Newcastle as a downward step in his career. Shearer and others have responded on Twitter with former Newcastle teammate Joe Allen. Joe Allen. Labelling him a money grabber and flip-flopper. He uh, has really taken the long handle and uh, and the two of them have just gone at, at each other's throats. So if you if you haven't seen this, and I guess anyone who's listening to this show is a football fan, so they most likely will be aware of it. It's unfortunate to see two um, former uh, club mates and uh, national teammates yeah, uh, just going so hard at each other. Uh, well, it was all it was all over on Twitter. That's where it was all all happening. And uh, look, I think it's a bit disappointing. I think when you've you know, I mean, Michael's Michael's his own man, so I've got no disrespect to what he feels and what he says. But I don't know whether. I would write a book. In fact, I'll tell you, my dad wanted they wanted to write a book. My dad said, I can't write the book because if I can't tell the whole story, then it shouldn't be published. And you know what? Mm-hmm. And then you, you see this. He, he is actually telling everything that he feels. Mm. But, you know, you can lose friendships over it. And I'm just thinking, is it that worth it? He doesn't need the money. No. He doesn't no. need the money. So why tell the story? Why bring up stuff that, mm. well, you know, I, I don't know. I know he sells books, but it's not my cup of tea. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Right right now, Michael Owen seems to be the one that's coming out worse. He does, doesn't he? He does. You know, it's... There doesn't seem to be much of a way back um, unless somebody somewhere can uh, break. Well, I think her, uh, Gary Lineker's jumped in. I think Gary's yeah. in there to to try and calm it all down. There are three strikers, and he's the most experienced in the sense mm. of years. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure he'll uh, he'll get something out of it to, to calm it right down. Hopefully. Now, racism, racism in Italian football is showing no signs of abating. Sadly, with Romelo Lukaku, the latest victim in Inter Milan's clash with Cagliari, Lukaku was subjected to monkey noises as he lined up for a penalty with Cagliari dismissing complaints about their supporters as silly stereotypes. Meanwhile, unofficial intergroup fan group, La Urlo del Nord, has written an open letter to Lukaku, not apologising, but justifying the abuse. Get this, Dana. Quotes from the letter. Yep. Hi, Romello. We are really sorry you thought what happened in Cagliari was racist. In Italy, we use some ways only to help our teams and to try to make our opponents nervous, not for racism, but to mess them up. We've always used that way in adverted commas and the other team players in the past, and we will probably do so in the future. Offensive, disgusting, um, bottom feeding. Um, I don't know uh, uh, what other words you can choose to describe people who uh, who go about their life that way, feeling that yeah. um, that just because uh, the colour of a person's skin uh, they can uh, can justify that. Uh, remember the, uh, the 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 wonderful comment from Martin Luther King. You know, I have a dream that one day a man will be judged by the content of their character rather than the colour of their skin, and uh, and that sadly uh, is a a day that we just haven't achieved yet. Yeah. Look, it, it's not just in Italy. I mean, it happens in England. No, it's England. not. It's it not. But, 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 but that sort of garbage that, no, the, that the supporters' clubs uh, well, come out with and, and, and say that... Um, do you think anyone's buying that that's, uh, that's saying? But the sad thing is, Dino, they seem to be buying it themselves. Well, that's, like, that's, that's the my point. point, yeah. I yeah. mean, look, I, I don't get it. I mean, I've got loads of friends... Um, and I went to school with lots of lads and we all get, we, we couldn't give a toss what we looked like as long, mm. as, as, long as we were all good together we used to have a yeah. good laugh and we yeah. played our football together it was brilliant yeah but it needs to be called out nonetheless it does, it does. alright well let's uh, let wrap it up here because we want to leave plenty of time to talk to our mate George Sefton so stick around because the great man the voice of Liverpool George Sefton is coming up after the break on Box to Box Box to Box the Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal of all. 
Angeles. Welcome back to Box to Box. And it's always a special edition of Box to Box when we talk to our good mate, the voice of Anfield, the champions of Europe and the uh, the high-flying ladder leaders of the Premier League, George Sefton. Uh, welcome back to the show, George. Hi, nice to be here. That sounds good, doesn't it, champions of Europe? Absolutely, mate. It's the rightful position of the mighty Reds, isn't it? We've spoken to you since that amazing game and uh, and the comeback at Anfield um, in the semi-final. Uh, it, um, it it was wonderful times, but um, who, who would have thought that um, you know that Spurs uh, and uh, and VAR might do uh, Liverpool a favour, uh, you know, in um, in uh, match day two of uh, of this season? Yeah, you've, you've got to keep your eye on the ball in every sense of the word nowadays because you don't know what's coming next. Very strange times. I guess well let's let's continue on that theme. Uh, you know, after a lifetime of watching football, uh, I mean we're sort of used to it in in other sports, aren't we? I mean uh, we, we've just yeah. been chatting off air about the the cricket and the fact that um, that we're all used now to, uh, to to celebrating a wicket and then watching for the review and and either celebrating or being disappointed again depending on uh, what the outcome is. So I mean I guess the thing is we we have no choice. Technology has moved on. No matter what we do, it's not going to go away. So we just uh-huh. have to accept it, don't we? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was uh, a bit dubious when it first came in in England. Uh, it's gone through a few sort of transformations since, and we're now just starting to bed in, I think. I mean, looking back, obviously, you know, I can remember it coming into cricket. I can remember it coming into rugby league. And it, by coincidence, we had the what they call the magic weekend in rugby league at mm-hmm. Anfield this year. So we had two full days of rugby league, six games, and watching their version in action was quite uh, illuminating because they, you can see what's going on. They talk it through, yeah. and they, what I can make out, I'm not a rugby man, but they seem to get it right 99.99% of the time. And uh, you know, it's, it, it's bedded in, and, and people are used to it, and they're, they're happy with it now. And, Football is is heading that way. It's um, I say it, it. The first try we had was a bit of a well, an experiment. It doesn't come close. But it, you know, we've now got it bedded in. And the the um, there were a lot of complaints recently uh, about about VAR at the league matches. But it, it's better than it was, and it's been trimmed down so it doesn't occupy the entire ninety minutes, which it possibly could if, if you let it loose. Um, I'm sure that by the end of this season we'll all be used to it. There'll still be the people who, who uh, will be complaining, but we'll, we'll we get there. George, it's Dean here. Welcome Hi, again. Dean. Yeah, welcome back to the show. Um, just wanted to ask you, I mean, obviously you've been around football a bit longer than I have. I think my first memory of was 1972 with the FA Cup final. But I've tried to wrap my brains. I've got kids now who are, well, the boys anyway, because they follow football, 22 and 20. And I can't think of another year apart from 2019 of how exciting the football and other sports like the World Cup with the cricket, uh, even this Ashes series here, the Champions League campaign when it got to the uh, knockout phases um, and and the the chase to win the championship last year between obviously Liverpool and Manchester City. I can't think of another season that's had that much drama in it as 2019. No, you're absolutely right. Um, The only possible comparison I can think of is 1966 when everything uh, was going on around here that I mean not just football but music you know, there was a spell when you know the Beatles were at their peak 
Liverpool uh, won the league, Everton won the cup, and England won the World Cup. Obviously, we had World Cup matches in Liverpool, so I got to see the likes of Pele and Eusebio mm. and uh, Pushkash, the, Hung- you know, the Hungarian side, all that lot. That was quite a time to be alive around here, but as far as just sport in general is concerned, this has been a fantastic year. You know, even had even the Women's World Cup this year, with, uh, we watched it day by day, and that, that was quite so. That's a, a game that's coming on by leaps and bounds. Uh, as you say, we've got the Ashes series going on. The way the Champions League fell out at the semi-final and final—ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you'd written that as a, a novel, people would have said it was just too far-fetched to be true. <laughs> you know, the, the way United got through against PSG, the way we got past Barcelona, the way Tottenham got through against Ajax, and then the final—it was such a moment when that second goal went in. I mean, the the, the 90 minutes themselves were nerve-wracking, even though we got an early goal. The whole year has been just such a, a joy, especially for likes of me who could, you know, I'm now not working full-time anymore. A lot of that, you know, Liverpool is what occupies my time, and I can sit here and watch it, you know, day by day in peace. It's, it's wonderful. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the voice of Anfield, George Sefton, live from Liverpool. And yes, you say 1966 was a good time to be alive. It was also a good time to be born because uh, that was the year that I was born. And uh, oh, but, there you uh, go. That, that, was, that was the icing on the cake. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. Anyway, I mentioned earlier that that result against Spurs uh, inadvertently gave um, Liverpool that early lead. So even though we're only a handful of games into the season. Uh, the um, the competition now is Liverpool's to lose, really, isn't it? I mean, uh, we, we know um, after that, uh, you know, that seven-point buffer that um, that Liverpool established uh, against Manchester City. Those of us who were partial to um, the club were uh, just starting to feel that this might be the year, and and then just to watch that that lead vaporise um, through that wobbly period where the the results, uh, you know, the, at least the three-point results just wouldn't come, um, is uh, is surely something that uh, is going to steal Jurgen Klopp's men this year and uh, it's as strong a side as there is I mean you know you talk about that amazing um, you know sort of attack of you know Firmino and uh, and Salah and Sane and and uh, you know so many other great names but you know Virgil van Dijk up the back and hopefully Allison coming back from from injury soon uh, you, you would think that um, that you know it's a, it's a team now that uh, that is not going to um, to, to give up even the the, the most marginal of leads lightly absolutely they they must they've just got to grit their teeth and get on with obviously Alison getting injured was a bit of a blow but we've got through it we're still chugging away we're getting you know 100% point but obviously that the way that uh, Tottenham did for City the other week the, the draw have just given us a little chink and now we're in pole position we've just got to hope we keep I know it's early days but I'd rather have uh, the points we've got after the matches we played and, and take it from there than it won't be anywhere else. It's funny, I was saying to somebody else the other day, when Arsenal played Tottenham on live TV last Sunday, I was saying we, we want to draw, could, you know, just take points out of the, uh, the Tottenham part and points out of the Arsenal part. And we just want to chip away and, and hope that City have a bad time. And you know, already the match against City in, in a few weeks is looking very, very, you know, vital is that you know absolutely even at this stage of the game it's uh, we've, we've got to see them off 
Georgia, the game on the weekend last week, uh, there was obviously yeah. a little bit of an incident uh, which with, with Mo Salah and obviously uh, Sadio Mane. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. It was, and, and what most probably made me more intrigued than anything was once the, the uh, uh, Mane was having a crack, obviously at uh, you know yeah. not not receiving the ball. But I looked at Jurgen Klopp's face, and he just was smiling, looking at the box. So it must mean a lot to them. Oh, it, it does. Well, I mean, you, you want people to be motivated like that. I remember years ago when. Jim Beslin and Bruce Grobelow were having nearly having a fist fight at Wembley. People were complaining. I said, I said, remember saying that? Just so, no, they care. They really care about what's going on, and that's what we want. You don't want people to be thinking it doesn't really matter. Of course, you want people to be wound up for those ninety minutes. And I mean, Mane and Salah, the two of the nicest, most, most respectful, quiet blokes you can come across, and to see Sadio in that state was was weird and. Uh, but I say, as usual, Jürgen's man management skills absolutely top wacky, smiling there. I've only had a quiet word afterwards. But this was what, one of the great things about Bill Shankly, you know, the great Bill Shankly was in man management skills. He would never, ever criticize one of his players in the public. If they did something wrong, he'd have a word behind closed doors, get it sorted, and get on with, with doing what they were supposed to do, which is winning games. You won't have any more hassle out on them, I don't think. Just another question, and I'm not asked this one, and I've only, you just made me think about it. Is obviously with Bill Shankly. Then we had the boot room, and obviously we know yeah. all of the fab- fabulous managers you had after that. Does does Jurgen uh, does Jurgen talk about that and, and understand obviously the of, of what the the boot room meant to everybody, like in this convey about of unbelievable managers? I'm sure he does. Uh, he doesn't talk to me about it, but. We all, there's always there's a saying about Liverpool managers. When they arrive at the club, they either understand the, the ethos completely. You know, the, the phrase is they get it or they don't. Rafa Benitez got it. Roy Hodgson didn't get it. He just didn't get into his head. I mean, about what you know, the the way we do things in Liverpool. But I'm 100% sure sure that Jurgen understands exactly. What this club is all about. Well, I never forget that time you told us about um, uh, when you met him and uh, uh, and you went up to introduce him yourself to him, yeah. and and he said, "You don't need to introduce yourself to me. You are the legendary George Sefton, the voice of Anfield." And and not only did that show a, a real sort of uh, the human side of him and the capacity to understand the sinews of uh, of Anfield, but uh, it, it also just showed. Uh, um, the, um, the the depth of, of of knowledge of the way that that mighty club works. Exactly, and that's you know he he really really done his homework. He was like a kid in the sweet shop coming to you know to this this great club. He understand what he was yeah understood what he was taking on, and he was ready for it. And he knew he could do the the job, and it, and he has. He's now proved it. Obviously, we've been excited watching the football the last three years, and now. The Champions League win was the tipping point. Where, you know, enjoying what we were watching to, to starting to win things again, mm. and uh, it, it was because he, he got to a couple of finals and not home with the silverware. People were just getting a bit twitchy, but the bringing that cup home uh, was amazing. And I say the atmosphere in the city. You will have seen the, the film of the, the parade, but yeah. unless you're actually standing there, and, and you know, it was just reminded us old guys of the you know the way it was when the you know, the the, uh, the team would, would win the a cup 
somewhere and bring it home and parade it around the city. Mm. It, you feel the feeling was just unbelievable. It was yeah. just an absolute carnival. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing that you, you know, after such a long drought, you know, that the youngsters had heard the stories and the fables and the, the wonderful times, and then for them to see it again and for the old-timers like you to get to relive it one more time and hopefully, you know, um, again in the future, uh, I know it's uh, uh, probably uh, not going to uh, go down that well with the, uh, the supporters of a lot of the other big clubs, but, uh, hey, we're talking to you, George, so we can... Uh, show a bit of partiality in this conversation oh absolutely absolutely all right george we'll look we'll let you go mate um uh, enjoy the um the international break and um and once it all gets up and running again we'll uh, we'll we'll talk to you in a you know in four or five okay, weeks time and uh, i'm actually going over to uh back and head on sunday to do my thing at the opening match of the women's super league so i'm beautiful. looking forward to that liverpool ladies have got their Sorry, Liverpool women we are now. Let's mm. get that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm playing <laughs> on Sunday, so I'll be working there, and I'm looking forward to that. That's another... Uh string to the old bow, I think. <laughs> yeah, you've got a few miles left in the legs yet, George. I hope so, I hope so. A great little one as well, George. Um, I saw that when it was at Madrid, and there was a, it's a real quick story, but just to how Liverpool work again, that there was a oh, yeah. father there who'd been to every single Champions League win, and yeah. they only had one more ticket, and he said, well, I've seen the last, the last ones, you've not seen it, so go and have it, and he gave it to his son, and his son was in bits. I can imagine. I can yeah. imagine. So, anyway, great talking to you, mate. Okay, Super. You. Lovely. Cheers, guys. See you, George. George Sefton, the voice of Anfield, uh, always generous with his time on Box to Box. We'll stick around. We mentioned the uh, international break. That's uh, going to be the next uh, item on the agenda, which we delve into after the break on Box to Box. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, always um, the afterglow of George Shefton when we uh, chat to that great man. Uh, he um, is wonderfully generous with his time and uh, and just has so many stories to tell. We could do a two-hour edition of Box to Box with George alone, couldn't we, Dana? We certainly could. All right, well, we're going to get stuck into Europe. We're going to do a quick recap of the uh, Premier League and the Championship before we talk the uh, the Euro qualifiers. But uh, we all know when your family grows, you accumulate a lot of stuff. It clutters. You want to get rid of stuff. you got to declutter. You've got to open up some more space for the family in your home, and there is only one place to do it, and that is Storage King. They are the kings of the storage business, and they are the biggest in the nation. As that wonderful jingle says, you'll get your space back, you'll get more room for your growing family, and your safe, your safety, your memories will be safe, is what I'm looking for. They'll be safe and secure when you need them. So call 1-800-STORAGE-KING or go to storageking.com.au for your nearest store. The kings of storage are moving and more, the mighty Storage King. So, Dino, um, we are weirding into Europe, so I'm going to just hand it over to you. Yeah, so short just give us the top line look yeah, at um, what's short, uh, going short on. Yeah, short and punchy. I think the games of the round, love Chelsea 2-2 with Sheffield United, Chelsea 2-0 up, Sheffield United coming back to 2-2. I thought that was really good. I think Leicester's put a mark 
Barker down with a 3-1 win against uh, Bournemouth. Um, I then looked at most probably Liverpool's classy performance against Burnley, 3-0 away. And then the the two big games on the Sunday, which Everton was 3-2, goals galore. And then the the London derby, and again, uh, Tottenham 2-0 up and Mm -hmm. threw it away to go 2-2. So Mm -hmm. what that looks like in league term... um, It was that goal just before um, half-time, wasn't it? It was, and that uh, that generally is always a bad time. But Liverpool topped the league on 12, then the City on 10, Leicester on 8, Crystal Palace 7, Arsenal 7, and Everton on 7 are the top 6. And then the bottom 3, Watford with 1 point, Norwich with 3 points, and Aston Villa, which is a little bit disturbing. And I feel sorry for Aston Villa because they had a goal disallowed Mm. that I thought should have stood. I think the Mm. referee went too early. Mm -hmm. It was the last kick of the game and would have got them a point. So, But anyway, it is what it is. Championship. Um... Looking again at the results, Bristol City and Middlesbrough 2-2. Birmingham got off to a really good 2-1 win against Stoke. Derby got smashed at Brentford. Um, and then outside of that, uh, there was not really anything that... Maybe West Brom against Blackburn, uh, 3-2 win. So what is interesting, though, uh, Rob, is Swansea, the 1-0 win at Leeds. Unbelievable result. Mm. And that puts Swansea top of the league on 16, with Charlton, the newly promoted team, on 14, Leeds on 13, West Brom on 12, Bristol City on 11, and one of the favourites, Fulham on 10. The bottom three are Stoke City, and I fear for Stoke. They're in absolute free fall since they got relegated from the Premier League. Huddersfield, again, another worry from being relegated last season, and Wigan Athletic on four points. Both Huddersfield and Stoke are on one point. So that's really our wrap-up, because we really want to uh, really look focused now on the European qualifiers. Um, Most teams have played two or three. Some have played four. But just quickly around the groups, uh, Group A, uh, England lead uh, with Czechoslovakia. Some big games coming up. England against Bulgaria. England against Kosovo. And from the Czech Republic, they've got games away to Montenegro and away to Kosovo. Um, Group B, Lithuania and Ukraine. Um, uh, That should be a Ukraine win with Serbia. They're right in the middle of everything against Portugal. So I think that's most probably the game of the round, the Serbia-Portugal game. If Serbia were to win, that would put a big dent in Portugal's opportunity to finish in the top two. Um, Group C, Northern Ireland, Germany. This is interesting. Northern Ireland are on 12 points, Rob. Mm. Germany on nine. Netherlands on three. And it's it's interesting that you see that Northern Ireland play Germany. So if Northern Ireland were to say turn Germany over, mm. they would go six points clear uh, <laughs> against the Germans. Um, so that's an interesting group. Uh, then we've got Group D, uh, Ireland and Denmark. Ireland have got ten points. Denmark five, Switzerland four, Georgia three, and Gibraltar nil. So Ireland, um, from their point of view, they're looking at a game that is at home to Switzerland. And again, you win that game at home, and then all of a sudden there's a gap between Switzerland, who I rate really highly, been to the World Cup. The, the gap would be 11 points, Rob, after five games. Wow. So it, it's it's that these these particular qualifiers are actually off the scale. It's t- I've not seen one like this with all of the, 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 the actual machinations of what can happen we've got great groupie 
Hung- Hungary, Slovakia. So it's got, how it goes is this is the group I'm interested in. Hungary are on nine, Slovakia on six, Croatia on six, Wales on three, and Azerbaijan on zero. So Wales play Azerbaijan, so they must win to get back into the, the fold and get competitive. Uh, but again, if you look at Hungary, if they beat Slovakia they would go then to 12 points and have a six-point lead on Slovakia and possibly Croatia, which have a tricky one over at Slovakia. It's always exciting when you get to this stage of... Um, Qualifying. Of, of, yeah, the, and, and you know, really the, the Euros aren't that far away and, uh, and spread far and wide um, uh, this time around. It's uh, So many people who follow the game closely are in no doubt that the Euros as a tournament uh, is a better tournament than the World Cup given the, the, the quality of the teams that uh, that are left out, let alone the ones that... Uh, that you, you, and I that think it's unique this year because it's going to be held in so many countries. It's not one mm. country holding it. Mm, mm. So, you know, there's, there's a whole program now that there's nine there's nine hosts, I guess. Yeah. And so the games are going to be spread all over Europe. Um, just to finish off, I know we've got only a couple of minutes, uh, but I'll just go quickly through Group F. Spain are on 12 against Romania and Sweden on 7. So that's really, they're fighting out with possibly Norway if they were to get a result on five points. Group G, Poland are on top of 12 with Israel, Austria and Slovenia, 7, 6 and 5. So again, Poland look pretty well like they've got one foot in the door. Um, this is an intro. This is a really tight group. I think this is the most exciting group, Rob, of the whole, of the whole um, campaign so far. Group H, France, Turkey, Iceland, all on nine points each. With Albania on six, so they're still in with the fight. Um, so there's going to be some big games: France and Albania, and France against Andorra, which they should win. But I think also that the Turkey game uh, against who am I looking at near the Turkey against Moldova, they're going to have to win that to make sure they keep the pressure on. Then to the last two groups, we've got in Group I, it's uh, Belgium on top of 12 points Russia on 9 and Kazakhstan Scotland on 6 and finally in Group J Italy on 12 with Finland on 6 Armenia and Greece and Bosnia on 4 points so it's all very very tight in the European qualifiers which I think once these two games each have been played we'll have a real fair look at where people are going to qualify and, and maybe not qualify Excellent wrap, Dino. All right, well, um, mate, uh, let's um, buckle ourselves in because we're going to f- go to the Red Centre and find Edge um, we are. on his uh, the latest of his uh, uh, travelling odysseys with Mickey Peterson and find out what it's all about because um, he, he's left and he's been sort of giving us updates on uh, social and all the rest of it, but we really don't know all about just why he's there. So uh, stick no around idea. because no idea. as listeners, you're going to find out at about the same time as we are. So that's coming up next on Box to Box. Box. The box. The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal of all. Box the box on NTS News Talk Sport for Chemist Warehouse and Storage King, and it is stoppage time. The fourth official has given us a nice long block of stoppage time, about eleven and a half minutes, because. our must, plan. Have been, must have been some injuries. There, there must have been. But see, our plan was to talk about our much vaunted uh, and much uh, sort of previewed um, discussion with um, with our co-host Michael Edgley and Mickey Peterson in the Red Centre, wasn't it? It was. It was. Uh, we were all built up for it. I was going to ask uh, put uh, Mickey on the spot when he got back from. Uh 
his trip when he went to Holland uh, to play at Ajax and uh, it didn't last long because he got a bit homesick and wanted to come back to Australia and we found out <laughs> I was standing at the bar and I get a tap on the shoulder he said you're going to get me one in so what are you doing back here? <laughs> so, God. He, but he's a great lad. I really well, and the reason we say was, because w- w- what sort of penalty is there for, for, for not turning up for your own show, not answering the phone? Well, there you go. I mean, that's 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 the people that Edge runs around with. You know, it's it's, it's loose, isn't it? At, at <laughs> best, loose. it's loose. Exactly. Well, look, the thing is, um, to those of you who uh, have been listening to the entire show and have heard us talking about uh, <laughs> our plan to have Michael and Mickey Peterson on from uh, the centre of Australia, it's obviously not worked out because just when we needed to call him, uh, he seems to have dropped out of service. So uh, the man who is constantly on his phone, who is constantly on his email, yeah. who is connected all over the world, how will he be feeling? I know. He'll be going, well, you know, where did it all go wrong? Exactly. Where did it all go wrong? I'll tell you what we will do. We will talk a little bit about Mickey P. Um, yeah. I had the pleasure. I played against him a few times. So Hall of Fame Australian player, about uh, 50 caps. Uh, uh, he played in the Olympics in Seoul, um, World Cup qualifiers. Um, as you say, he uh, he's got the Dutch background, so he, he did go to Ajax. He did. Uh, he did. Um, so uh, he's one of those players um, from that era. Um, so he's what 53, 54 yeah. years old now, he's so about like, our same age. Same age uh, as me. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and just um, one of those players that that whose career, um, if it had been now. Uh, would have been um, a, a lot more, um, a lot better known to those non-football fans. Yeah, look, I agree. I mean, he, he was a, an immense talent, uh, unbelievably gifted footballer, could pass, could tackle, uh, he could run at people, score goals, created goals. Um, and, and you know, you look at, and I always, I always measure this with like the, the days of the National League with the, what we call the state league hmm. the gap was most probably shorter than it is now where the mpl versus the a league hmm. maybe the gaps are a, a little bit further away now mm-hmm. but the personalities that you know we, we used to all go out like you know we were all young men mm-hmm. um and there was no egos none at mm. all like it, it, it never once did anyone say well hold on what are you talking about you playing the state league and i'm playing in the national league never that we were all on the same level um everyone got on famous and then when we played each other especially in pre-season tournaments mm. which was our opportunity to go well hold on let's see we'll see where we were mm. it was always great and you know and sometimes you're playing in front of 13,000 fans at yeah. olympic park it's it was it was just not so much surreal but it was just really really good that we had a great culture mm. and the football boys you know whatever level you played at even if the lower leagues were coming out for a beer or something mm. everyone would mix in it was all about football just enjoying each other's company and that's why I think. Do you lot- feel that there was a camaraderie also built out of the fact that football um, was um, not um, wasn't the main sport? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think that I think we gravitated to that, and mm. I think that was a reason why we used to always try and catch up all the time. And we used to go and watch each other play. You know, yeah. you'd have lots of the national league boys come in to watch the state league games on, say, on a Saturday, and they were playing on a Sunday, mm. and then we'd reverse it. We'd go and watch them. So. 
So look, it's it's an interesting dynamic. But so um, what we know is that Edge is out on a um, a a trip to um, the centre of Australia. Uh, we'll find out more about it when he gets back because he sort of uh, he headed off with the intention of filling us in with all of the gaps. Well, and he did. Sort of left it a, a little bit uh, for us at least up in the air. So, but it is uh, it's more than just a holiday. It's a it's um, a, a cultural immersion as we understand it, and uh, uh, and so I'm really keen to find out a little bit more about it and. Uh, and what the football culture is like in in, uh, in the centre of Australia, because uh, you know we do have some um, great uh, um, Aboriginal Australian uh, f- football uh, players um, that have uh, you know that have um, have uh, you know uh, um, lit up uh, uh, the, um, the the landscape of uh, of of the game in this country and uh, and as they do in many sports as well, Rob, don't they? You know, it's, oh, it's a fabulous, you know. Absolutely. Well, well, the thing is, I mean, you look at uh, blokes like Charlie Perkins, who, uh, you know, who w- was uh, a, a um, an amazing um, politician, uh, Renaissance man in in so many ways. But um, he played, um, you know, with Adelaide uh, in the 1950s and um, and uh, uh, played for the South Australian Under 18s rep team. Um, he was invited to trial with uh, English First Division team. Liverpool. Um, he ended up trialling and training with uh, with Everton as well. So, I mean, there, there's just so much. John Moriarty, of course, his academy, um, just so much uh, in in the way of uh, Indigenous football. The, what a great story um, there is to tell. There is now talking of um, stories. I'm going on a little little trip. Yeah, you are. So, um, so, so you're going over to a wedding. I'm going over to a wedding, and this is more like this is a football wedding. Right? Yeah. So the the, the the boy that I first sent over to Derby County was a boy called Peter Katsupius mm-hmm. and uh, and he he went to Derby and that was our first experience of taking a player over there so mm-hmm. from Peter he's got a younger brother uh, called Nicholas and we're calling oh, Nicky and Nicky's getting married mm-hmm. to then we know Frank McGrellis from mm-hmm. uh, Bentley Greens yeah. you know fame who's been the manager up until this week but they've replaced him with uh, Nick Tolios mm-hmm. so he could go on to this same adventure so he <laughs> flew he flew yesterday and I fly tonight um, so Frank is um, Frankie's girlfriend is Susan Susan Wynn and Susan's daughter Rachel is the the bride to be so um, so allegedly I'm the only person that knows both families, uh-huh. you know, like from both sides. So you have um, to be there. So I have to be there and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and, and, but there's uh, not just a football connection with the um, the bride and groom, but you're, uh, you're going to see our, our mate Gary Bowyer. We uh, are. Yeah, right? well, that's the first part. We're going to Crete for a week and then we go to England and we're going to catch up with Gary Bowyer. Um, they play Warsaw away on uh, Saturday the 14th. So when you say they? They've been brand- Bradford City. Yes. Um, so he's got off to a reasonably good start. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and they were relegated, of course. Of course. But he he was, when he got the job. Yeah, they were destined they, for relegation. They'd, they'd, as they'd, it was. I think they'd already put a line through. Yeah, that. and he signed a three year contract. Yeah, he did. I think it he was, did. Yeah. yeah. So so it's going to be really good that uh, we'll catch up with him. And then I've got the, the first player I brought over to Australia mm. to, to come and play, Jamie Edwards. He's, uh, he's in. I've the, got a cousin called Jamie there, Edwards. Get a jumbo, mate. He's not that well Jamie right Edwards, now. Jamie Edwards, yeah. Uh, so Jamie. Jamie came over and uh, he lived with me and uh, played for me at Eastern Lions. Mm-hmm. And um, he's in charge of Shrewsbury in the community. The mm-hmm. whole community program he runs and is the director of their community program. So 
uh, we're going to go and watch uh, them play as well at home. And it's not far from where my family are, because Wrexham and Shre- uh, Shrewsbury aren't too far away from each other. Okay. So that should be a good event. And then uh, we finished the trip over in Poland, which is one of my favourite countries. So you've been to Poland before? Been to Poland before, only been to Krakow before, so we will start there again. Um, last time I went in the winter uh, with Richard, um, mm. who we've had on the show, yeah, Richard really Rudsky. Sure. Uh, we're going to go again uh, together again this time. Any and football in Poland? Look, uh, we're that close. It was the next day. Uh, oh. every, everywhere we were going, the, the next day was when the game was played. They play their games on Sunday, so mm. Saturday would have worked, but it wasn't to be. But um, what we're also going to go to is Warsaw, which I haven't been to, mm-hmm. um, which is the capital. Of course. And we're going to get the fast train from uh, Krakow down to there. But I am also going to go to Auschwitz again yeah, um, yeah. in respect of that. Last time I went there, it was in the winter. Say about the gates, Arbeit macht frei. Work will make you free. Free, yeah. What a gruesome uh, air tree to uh, that um, shocking... Uh, <laughs> A part of uh, the history of this world. Very, very humbling experience, and you know, I, I just want to do it again and, and mm. see it again in the in the summer. Yeah, I, I I do like to revisit things. Um, Me too. Uh, because um, you know, you you um, you take things in more sometimes a second and third time around, and um, yeah, it, uh, it it's it's uh, would be sort of remiss of of any of us to to not stare that. Um, that ugly part of uh, history in the face, and uh, and and just remember it as reality, because uh, you know of the course. further you are removed from it, um, the easier it is to forget. It is, and look, I mean, I think I'll give Krakow its credit. I can't judge uh, Warsaw until I've been, but certainly Krakow's been one of the best cities I've ever been. It's it's the biggest square in Europe, um, and it's just full of bars, restaurants. The people are really friendly. The food is. <laughs> I was going to say the food, food is yeah. to die for. Yeah. Pierogi yeah. and oh, you just can't beat it, and mm, it's mm. and it's really really reasonable. Um, and just a little special is mm. that you're going to have Dean Hennessy and John Beckett together. Lovely. In Greece, so we can okay. do a little bit of a ditty we next week. We will be absolutely. Well, so, you, you won't let us down, will you? From Nottingham, yeah. you won't let us down. No, you make sure you're in a in a service area. Oh, we'll be in a service area. We'll make sure of that, and yeah. we'll do we'll do a little bit of research. Because you are a professional broadcaster. We are. Well, at least I'll be on the show. You'll be able to get me as opposed to uh, Mr. Edgeley. Oh my God! We'll make sure of that. He's not going. To, we're not going to let him. <laughs> no, no. All right. Well, Dean, I'm going to say farewell from all the Thank boys you. from Nigel. Um, in yeah, well the, done, uh, Nigel. Behind the glass, who always does an amazing job for he us, does. making this show sound as good as it possibly can. And uh, uh, Willem, I know he's um, he's going to be back next yeah, week. Yeah, Miss Willem tonight. Yeah, yeah, the young fella. He popped around during the week to my place, and we did a little bit of homework. Uh, yeah, he's a good lad. He's come a long way, hasn't he? He's a good boy. He's going to be uh, a great uh, journalist no, I think so. into the future. So, Dean, bon voyage. You have a wonderful trip. Thank you. And, and uh, um, good luck with the show next week. And, yeah, and we're delighted to be part of it uh, from uh, sunny, sunny Greece. Absolutely, mate. We look forward to it. All right. Well, what a great show it's been. John Cosmina, Michael Weir from Hume City, George Sefton, and sadly not Michael and Mickey <laughs> Peterson. But, Dino, off you go. Have a great trip. And, uh, listeners, please join us next week on NTS News Talk Sport when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game on Box to Box.